Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Jim Was Cancelled, a Buffy podcast. I am Jess. And I am Stosh. And I am Katie. And today we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 2, Dead Man's Party. Dead Man's Party. Before we get started, do either of you have any clarifications or corrections that you'd like to make? Uh, I have one. Okay. You asked what a tea cozy was? Yeah. And I said it was a knitted thing that goes over a teacup. Uh-huh. It goes over a teapot or like a tea kettle, not a cup. Oh. And I knew that, but I definitely just misspoke. Said the wrong thing? Yeah. Okay. That I makes realized, a little bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I don't have uh, any corrections. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Well, I don't have any either, so we will go ahead and launch right into the summary. And it starts with Buffy unpacking in her room, feeling a little weird. That's pretty much this whole episode. (laughs) Buffy feeling weird? Yeah, we could just end the summary there. (laughs) Buffy's feeling a little weird. Yeah. Well, I don't blame her. I'm going to be real honest with you guys. Yeah. I mean, it did a good job making like everything feel weird the way she felt weird. Yeah. But she goes to her mom's room and her mom is... Hanging up a mask that wants the room to suffer. That's the first quote I have written down is it wants the room to suffer. Mm. (laughs) I immediately was just super annoyed with Joyce immediately. She was just like combative with Buffy from the get. (laughs) I was a little irritated with Joyce here too. But also we got like a huge flashback before the episode started. Yeah. Of like the last time on Buffy thing and it re-showed her kicking Buffy out and like telling Giles it was his fault and stuff. So you came into this episode already mad at Joyce. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. And that uh, was kind of, I was like, am I already pissed off or like, am I still pissed off (laughs) or is this a new thing? And the thing is, she said, you don't appreciate primitive art. And I was like, no, I'm I'm just pissed. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, I just don't like Joyce right now. That's okay. I was on the same wavelength. My first note says, I see why you thought this was the first episode because of the huge flashback. My second one just Mm -hmm. says, fuck Joyce. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I literally wrote that down as well. (laughs) Well, she just wants things to be normal again. I know. So she's trying really hard to have a lot of chill and she doesn't have any chill. (laughs) She has zero. And like the thing about this episode which is why I really wanted to do this episode is because I get why people are pissed at Buffy. I totally get why people are pissed at Buffy. But Joyce kicked her out, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So, like, of the people who get to be pissed at Buffy, Joyce is not super entitled, in my opinion, (laughs) to this much. I agree with that. Like, I don't know. I have opinions about this episode, so. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't even know. To start, like, I appreciated the fact that it was just so clearly awkward between the two of them. So I did appreciate that. And then I liked the fact that it immediately goes to Buffy looking to find her friends. And (laughs) you've got Xander. (laughs) Like, I'm trying to decide if he was trying to, like, look like a vampire or what to, it like, was that he was out. going for. I think he was going for like a Van Helsing thing. <laughs> oh, it just... 
I liked it. Did you? <laughs> yeah. The vibe was cool. I, I, I thought that it was kind of a cool vibe. Well, all I have written down is, why did that vampire break through those boards as his grand entrance? It made <laughs> zero sense. <laughs> like He's like, I'm going to wait until the conversation gets to be kind of weird for them, and then I'm going to just break out. <laughs> I'm going to crash through this thing where that's wooden, so if I get a splinter on my chest, I will poof into <laughs> dust. Like, as a vampire, I think wood would be a thing you avoided. I mean, does a splinter in the chest do that? I don't know. Because, like, in my head, the wood needs to reach all the way to the heart. Well, probably. Could be. That's not the point, Stosh. The point is wood can kill him, and he decided to just crash through it head first. But, but he was just chilling there? Like... Yeah, like, just like waiting behind the wooden boards, like, I'm going to let them finish. And then, like, real Kanye West style, uh-huh. I'm going to let you finish. One, two, three, attack. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's pretty clear that vampires in this universe have baked into their DNA maximum amount of drama. <laughs> I don't know that every one of them does. But Mess. I think it's, it's okay that you feel that way after the vampires we experienced last season. It just makes sense that he would wait for the, the biggest dramatic entrance he could make. That's super true. And then it's the credits, right? Yeah, but we need to address the like... Well, yeah, there's a lot more that happens before that, though. Everybody comes out and then there's the night, uh, Nighthawk on the... Yeah, we learn he's Nighthawk. <laughs> They all have their own like vigilante outfits they got yes, going they on. Do. Yeah, Oz it's still it's a has whole that stake. Does from, he? From last episode, it was like around his neck, like on a on a rope. Yeah, Willow has one on her leg, like it's a knife. <laughs> which I was like, okay, not super practical, but whatever. And then Cordelia, what I found endearing about Cordelia in this scene was she was like, oh, hi, Buffy. Like, she's yeah. the only one that was, like, nice to Buffy. And she's, like, supposedly the mean one, right? And she right. normally is the rude one. That's she's like, true. oh, hey, Buffy. How is how's it going? But, like, she chose the stupidest time to do that because the vampire was still, like, messing with them. So. Yeah. But that is good foreshadowing for later on in the episode. Anything else you guys want to say about that scene? I didn't have anything else written down for it. No, I think we've covered everything I wrote down, but I did have a lot for it. Because <laughs> then it switches to, to, so there's the credits and then it switches to them outside Giles's apartment. And yeah. Buffy's nervous to see him. And Xander's like, why would you be nervous? Because you totally abandoned everybody? No, yeah. why would you be nervous? <laughs> yeah, Buffy was like, don't you think you'll be mad? And Xander said, mad? Just because you ran away and abandoned your post and your friends and your mom and made him lay awake every night worrying about you? Maybe we should wait out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Xander was way sassy. And then Giles opens the door and he's so happy to see her. He's happy to see her. But at the same time, I was watching this scene and specifically I was like, dude, I think it's Anthony Stewart head that he that his name, right? The yeah. Actor's name. Yeah. He did a great job acting in this in this scene because yes, he, he was like appropriately happy but at the same time he was still appropriately kind of pissed off that she left well yeah just like bewildered and haggard and just feeling all the feels he'd been feeling 
Like Xander said, he's been laying awake every night wondering if she was okay. Yeah, well, and he's taking flights to places, like, trying to find her, like, and that just, like, all culminated in this scene. And his acting, like, when he was getting the tea kettle, he's doing a great job. Oh, my gosh. Giles, when he goes to get the tea and he, like, takes his glasses off and, like, almost cries with relief. Mm -hmm. Oh, that just gets to me every time. Yeah, I thought that that was a really, like, a subtly wonderful scene yeah in my opinion and that's while buffy's like she's like kind of filling them in on the fact like of where she's been sort of it seemed like i i felt like she was just like yeah i ran away yeah and then oz lets her know she's not she's not being hunted for murder anymore which i wanted to know more details about like that Yeah, like they just you sprinkle know. that in. Like, oh, you're not in trouble for this anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but Willow was really proud of them and wanted to let Buffy know that they dusted. She said, we dusted nine out of ten. But then Oz is quick to say six out of ten. And Willow just keeps going and says six out of ten. Like she didn't change the statistic <laughs> dramatically. I mean, it's still pretty good for four people who aren't slayers. <laughs> yeah, I liked when... Buffy said she went to see her mom. Giles said, oh, how did you find her? Yeah. She says, I pretty much remembered the address. (laughs) But you can tell that he's like, he's like definitely remembering the way Joyce acted to him last time he saw her. But But I think that just speaks to like, okay, so this episode In this episode, Buffy's headspace is so different than what it needs to be. Her headspace is like, oh, I'm back. So everything's just going to go back to normal or whatever. Because I'm going to go back to my routine and everything's going to be fine. And so, like, she makes her little comment about the address or whatever. Her little, like, funny joke. But in Giles' head, he's like, no. Like, how was the condition of your mother? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And she, like, that's just not even something that she registers is even going on. Well, and, and I think he's trying to be as nice and as gentle on her as he can be. But then he right. brings up the fact that, like, she's not she doesn't get to just go back to school and like things are not going to be hunky dory for a little while, which I really liked in that scene. And then I like the fact that it it switches to Principal Snyder. Uh, I did like that he referred to him as his or she. Did Joyce say it? She, Buffy referred to him as his, his ugliness. ugliness. Yeah. Either way, it made me laugh. Yeah. Snyder gets called quite a few things in this episode that are both accurate and insulting. <laughs> and I wrote most of them down. Good. <laughs> but he does not. Yeah. He does not want Buffy back in school. And he gets a tingling feeling at the thought of her not being in school. <laughs> Which he references several times. Yeah. So. <laughs> and then Joyce threatens to go to the mayor. And he replies with, oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. So immediately I was like, well, now I want her to go to the mayor. I need to see what's (laughs) going on here. (laughs) But then her mom drops her off at the mall where she's supposed to meet up with Willow. And Willow ditches her. I don't even remember that happening. You don't remember Buffy's mom dropping her off and being like, we can always talk about private school. And then Buffy's just like sitting on a bench alone. And then she gets home and her mom's like, oh, Willow called. She got tied up, but she said she tried to call you. 
And Buffy was like, is there a message? And her mom was like, no. I remember all of that. I just don't remember the mall part. Oh. Well, it might yeah. not be the mall. I think it might have just been like a cafe or something. But I just I remember the next thing I remember after the Snyder scene was Buffy walking into her kitchen and Joyce being like, oh, Willow called. Oh, yeah. yeah well, she it dropped was just a- her off for a minute somewhere like on a bench. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was a quick scene. The thing about that, though, is like, I don't necessarily blame Willow for that. Like, I'm like, no. That's fair. Maybe she's not ready to have one-on-one interaction with you right now, Buffy. Particularly since you're acting like nothing happened. Interesting. Also, we did miss, before she walks in the kitchen, she runs into Earl's mom, Pat, outside. <laughs> Earl's oh, mom. Oh, yes. <laughs> is, is it the same actress who plays his mom? Is that why you're saying that? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, I've been re-watching My Name is Earl. Not rewatching. it's my first time watching it all the way through. But... Uh, because of that, that's like all I was able to see. I had to watch that scene like three times because it's all I could think about was that I recognized the actress. That's funny. It's funny, Katie, because I had completely different feelings about Willow and this episode as a whole, like her ditching Buffy for that situation felt okay to me, like thinking about it, but like. It was clear that she had some unresolved things she needed to talk to Buffy about that she was just pretending didn't exist. And I didn't like that. I think I agree with you that she had things she needed to get off her chest. And later on the episode, they clearly go over that. Right. Or at least address that. My thought was, you know, sometimes people are not ready to address things all the time. Like the whole message of this episode was not to bury things, which is good. Like it's a good message. You shouldn't bury things. You should talk about them. But how I took Willow's thing is that it was just too soon for her to kind of process through that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll get into more of that later, but it's just, it's interesting to me that you had a a complete reverse reaction to it than I did. Yeah. But we do meet Joyce's new friend who Buffy does not seem to be like super, super, a super fan of. Uh, Pat put off weird vibes. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I immediately thought she was the villain. Like the first time I watched this, I was like. (laughs) I got that vibe too. I was like, she's going to be evil or something. And I don't know why. (laughs) Well, I think something interesting that I picked up on watching it this time but she said a lot of passive aggressive crap to Buffy about the fact that Buffy left. Like she would be like, well, you know, with your situation, your mom was just a complete wreck, as I'm sure you could imagine. And then she would say, like, when she got to the party later on in the episode, she was like, oh, there you are. Hope you're not thinking of leaving town again. Like, <laughs> I don't remember her saying that. That's funny. And then when they were in the kitchen, she was like 100% goading Joyce into saying bad things about Buffy. I think she was trying to be a good friend to Joyce, but it felt very passive aggressive about Buffy. Yeah, I think that's why it felt like she was the villain, because it was like very much like she was goading her on. But I think that in this episode, what it is, is that Joyce needed a friend. And so the writers kind of wrote Pat in to have Joyce have someone on her side in a way. But because Joyce was just set up so clearly as not being in the right 
from our perspective, it was hard to do that with someone who didn't kind of come across as passive aggressive and phony. Yeah. One interesting point to that is that um, around this part in the episode, Joyce actually started winning me over for a while. Like uh, when she invites Willow and everyone over? Yeah. And when she like even I think we passed this already when she offered to drive Buffy. Yeah. That's before mm-hmm. she ran into Xander. Yeah. She offered to drive her to find her friends and like. But when she said she wanted to go alone, she was cool with it. And here, inviting everyone over, wanting to just get, have a get-together. And, like, she's clearly trying to make up for how horrible she's been, even if she won't admit that she was terrible. Yeah. And I actually really started enjoying her for a while. And, spoiler alert, near the end of the episode, she ruins it again, but... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> oh, but before that, Joyce tells her tells Buffy about fact that she invited all of her friends to come over and and she wants Buffy to go down and get the company plates and Buffy says mom Willow and everyone aren't company plate people (laughs) they're normal plate people yeah I was like I don't I don't know if I would take that very well if that was like about me I'm like what do you mean I'm not company plate people (laughs) I think it means we that they have a more formal friendship so yeah. they can just use the dishes we normally use yeah they're, they're more casual yeah yeah but so then buffy goes downstairs to get the company plates and the dead cat falls out of the like <laughs> shelf yeah what the fuck <laughs> out of nowhere and they just bury it and that's i don't have anything really on that scene i just joyce gave a nice little eulogy yeah oh yeah that was something that bothered me about joyce this week the, this episode too she gave um, a eulogy to a dead cat? <laughs> yeah, that she gave a she gave a beautiful eulogy to a dead cat, empathizing with a friggin' dead cat more than she's empathizing with her own daughter. <laughs> and she doesn't see that like the two th- the thing that she said was like like Godspeed, stray cat, hopefully you find your way or something. And I'm like, you can't say that to your own damn daughter. <laughs> 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 like you don't see that there's parallels here. <laughs> well, if it helps Joyce's case, I didn't see the parallels until you just pointed them out. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> well, that just it was just another thing that I was like, oh, come on, Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Immediately after that is when like it's the middle of the night and the cat like we, we see the cat start climbing out of its grave and oh, the mask that, yeah. flashing. And then it's Buffy. There's a it's a dream where Buffy's walking through Sunnydale and Angel joins her. Once again, clearly a dream because it's sunny as fuck out. Yeah, but it talks <laughs> about the fact that like a, like Angel's spirit is like encouraging her to go and join her friends and to confront them. And she's like, "I'm afraid to confront them." And he's like, "Well, you should be, but you need to get it done. But you got to do it anyway." And I I like that. I liked that scene, even though it felt a little bit like. They just had to insert angels somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were like, hmm, how do we get David his paycheck? <laughs> All right, we're going to give this and give him this scene. <laughs> but then they, they're like in the kitchen the next morning and Buffy's mom brings up private school and Buffy is not a fan. <sighs> Buffy irritated me here because yep. like she didn't say she had to go she was like presenting options yeah and buffy like flipped out just at like 
being yeah, presented with an option. Yeah, the idea of going to a private school for exclusively girls. It's like, well, what did you expect, Buffy? Like, you ran away. Yeah. Yeah. And well, mostly she's and, not being told she has to. Yeah. Right. That That's a really good point that I hadn't actually considered, Stash. was like, um, it was just an option, first of all. <laughs> you don't have to freak out. But then also... This is one of the few times that Joyce didn't piss me off because she was like, sorry, Buffy, you made choices. There are consequences to your choices. But then she immediately was like, well, you know, they might make a special case for you or something. And I was like, no, no, that's also not consequences. <laughs> well, yeah, she was like, you should tell the principal about what you do and all this stuff. And Buffy was like, it's not going to work. But also... <laughs> Joyce is trying her hardest. She's meeting with the superintendent mm-hmm. of schools that afternoon. So she's trying her yeah. hardest to get Buffy back into mm-hmm. Sunnydale. It's not like she's like, you'd better go to this all girl school because you have to live with it. She's like, like you said, she's trying to give yeah. her options. Well, like even the yeah. way she phrased it, she said there was a charter school or whatever, private school that I talked to. They gave me a pamphlet. I left it over there. You can read it if you want. Yeah. And that's when Buffy's mm-hmm. like a private school. Like, also, speaking of her, speaking of her talking to the superintendent, he seems at least more reasonable than that nasty little horrid bigoted rodent man. <laughs> <laughs> at least you and Joyce are on the same page when it comes to Snyder. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. I was just going to say that Joyce did not piss me off at all in this scene. Good. <laughs> she, good. She made good points. Like, and yeah, she's trying her best to advocate for her daughter. So yeah. this was... This was good. This was what she should be doing. <laughs> so Joyce wasn't a complete and total disaster in Katie's mind this episode. For at least one minute. <laughs> <laughs> this scene, she was fine. <laughs> Specifically just right here. But then the dead cat gets in. Yeah. And they call Giles <laughs> and he brings over a cage <laughs> to get the dead cat. And he notices Joyce's mask that she has hanging up in her bedroom. Oh, he does? Yeah, and they talk mm-hmm. about it, and she's like, I have this great dealer that deals in ancient artifacts, and they like are like awkward but co- like polite to each other in front of Buffy, and Buffy's like, I like art as much as the next dull person, but can we focus on the dead cat? <laughs> huh. <laughs> I completely missed that whole part. And that's when Giles is like, well, you should stay here with your mom, and her mom's like, no, no, she should go with you, and Giles is like, well, she can't. She's not allowed on school property. Also, when he walked in, Buffy said, welcome to the Hellmouth Petting Zoo. Oh, yes. That's fine. He complained about the smell of the dead cat. And Buffy said, I know, I wanted Forest Pine or April Fresh, but mom wanted dead cat. (laughs) And then it immediately switches to them in the library. And there are quite a few fun quotes in this scene. They were coming so hard and fast with the quotes in this. I didn't write down any of them because I couldn't. I I didn't have time to write the whole script. You know. I have Cordelia saying, don't you like anything regular to Giles? When she's talking about his pet. Uh-huh. And then I, like, I, have, I have Oz saying, well, I like it. I think you should call it Patches because it just reminded me of you. <laughs> like you would, you would think a dead cat is cool. I would, yeah. I have Oz saying, is it a gathering, a shindig, or a hootenanny? And I don't have the rest of that quote where he talks about like the difference between each one. Mm-hmm. But I loved that most specifically 
a whole lot of who little bit of nanny yeah <laughs> i like that he discerns that like the middle one is where dip is involved yeah That's yeah what i enjoyed i was like because dip can't be at the other two. <laughs> oh, the first one had brie yes mm-hmm. they weren't a fan because that was going to smell like giles's pet cat <laughs> Giles is getting so mad that they kept calling his pet. I did like that. He's like, it's not my pet. It's not my pet. I took it back for research, guys. But he is not a fan of the Hootenanny idea because he feels like Buffy's not going to want a lot of people at her house. Yeah, well, he said that it should be a more intimate setting yeah. where it's just them and he's a hundred percent right yeah i just want to point this is the part where i was like giles is 100 percent the only person who's actually looking out for buffy's best interests yeah in the group like joyce is doing what she can with school but like no one is thinking about buffy's like mental well-being except for giles no i think joyce is also worried about her relationship with her daughter yeah more than her daughter's physical well-being at yeah. this point yeah. But yeah, I agree. Giles is the one looking out for Buffy. Yeah. And then it shows Buffy getting ready for the party and Pat was invited. Hold on. I did want to mention like Giles being on top of it is is really what pushes the show along. But he just flipped over like he flipped the page and like just <laughs> was not even looking at the book. Yes, he was. That's true. Because it shows the mask in the book. Yeah, and I was like, I know we have to, like, push this along and, like, you know, like, he can't know about it yet, but, like, what a bad researcher. <laughs> like, how many times does he, like, just pass pages? Stop moving the pages if you're not looking at the book. <laughs> I feel like that's partly Xander and Willow and Cordelia and Oz's fault, though, too, because they were distracting him. And my guess is he was just so floored. <laughs> Yes, you're right. He shouldn't have been flipping pages if he wasn't looking. But I think he was just so floored at the audacity that these children have to force Buffy to have a large house party. Yeah. Oh, no. And that is that is not cool of them. I think they were just like, hey, let's have a party. And oh, I guess it should be for Buffy, right? Like that's that's yeah. Well, and even Xander at the end of the scene being like, uh, who votes for fun? Right. Also, it's crazy to me that Joyce just let a house party happen Dude, at I have her that house. written down. I was like, <laughs> Joyce is okay with this party, I guess. Well, and I mean, they're like, it's even teenagers drinking yeah. and she's just like, whatever to mend this relationship with my daughter, I guess. <laughs> yeah, my husband was like, we were watching it together and he was like, didn't she just sit up for fancy dinner? Like, yeah. Yeah. why is she all of a sudden fine with this? somebody better put the company plates away <laughs> i think you saw him for a second when it was like when people were still showing up and it like Buffy showed was like the assembling yeah. the silverware with all of them like nicely displayed and that's when pat walks in and says that rude passive aggressive comment about buffy flying the coop again and hands her a giant tupperware being like i bet you like empanadas <laughs> it's just like okay <laughs> yeah like wh- all right you know what I like? Not being bitched at. That's what I yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. By some random old lady. Yeah. Leave me <laughs> alone. <laughs> like, you didn't even know my mom beforehand either, so shut up. <laughs> exactly. 
But then the party starts and it is out of control and it is loud and it is large. And this is where I wrote Willow was 100% avoiding Buffy. Oh, absolutely. And then I wrote Xander and Cordelia are 100% back together. After the I don't last feel episode. like they were ever really separated. They weren't, but like <laughs> they've clearly patched things up since last episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in a major way. <laughs> um, also, Oz is such a nerd playing real chords. Yeah. Okay. Willow's avoiding Buffy. Buffy tries to talk to her. And this is the thing is that like I gave Willow grace with the whole she didn't she left Buffy by herself. <laughs> But Buffy's literally talking to you. Yeah. Trying <laughs> to, to like open like, that door. Yeah. She's trying. She's like, are we good? And she's like, yeah, we're totally good. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah. This is the time to get it off your chest. Exactly. Yeah. But instead she was just like, yeah, we threw you a party. Why would we not be okay? <laughs> yeah. Now leave me yeah. alone and let me go listen to this loud band and not talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody was just like super weird about that because she tried to also talk to Xander about it. And he was like, yeah, this party's for you. It's basically like she was like, hey, are we good? And people were like, this party's for you. It's like That's not an answer to the question. It definitely it did a great job of making like. Of Buffy's loneliness. Mm-hmm. really exuding like it felt very mm-hmm. relatable. Well, and it kind of was mm-hmm. like this, this, this is why she had to leave. This is why she felt like no one was going to understand what she was going through. Yeah. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> yeah. But at the same but at the same time it also did a really good job writing the line of okay, yes, this is why she felt this way, but at the same time she also felt so much that way to the point where she doesn't actually talk to people. And right. that's not good either. So right. like it it rode that line of like yeah, it's not Buffy's fault. But also there is a part of of it that is her accountability of not opening up to people. That's true, too. For, for most of this episode, it was definitely everyone is a bad guy making the situation worse. Yeah. And then it has lots of dead people waking up. And I just wrote, Jess is not a fan of that because um, we have established the fact that I do not like zombies. I have a note for that later. But before that, there's another point at the party where Buffy walks by a guy. and he. Uh, one of them says, who's this party for? And the guy replies, this party? Heard it was for some chick that just got out of rehab. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Buffy. I, like, I don't know why, but that delivery of that line had me laugh harder than anything this show has ever <laughs> had me laugh. <laughs> yeah, like I was just sitting on my couch cackling into my living room. Jeez. And then Buffy hears her mom say that yeah. Uh, things are worse since she's back, which is a horrible thing to say. And when I lost my faith in Joyce again. Yeah, I wrote Joyce is just OK with this party, I guess. She and Pat talk crap in the kitchen and Buffy overhears the worst part of it. And so then she just goes upstairs and starts packing again because she feels unwanted. And I think that she has the right to feel unwanted a little bit. Yeah, I, I wrote I would 100 percent want to run away, too, at this point. Yeah. Well, I kept asking, I kept waiting for Joyce to, like, for Buffy to walk away and Joyce to be like, but then I feel guilty about that or whatever. Like, I, I yeah. yeah, some follow up to say follow up stuff that, like, doesn't make you seem like a piece of shit, but there just wasn't. 
yeah, like it played like a scene where Buffy just heard the out of context part that sounds mm-hmm. bad, but she heard the whole thing in context. <laughs> well, unless we also right. didn't hear the rest of it, which that's what I'm choosing to believe. But I do agree that like you don't have to believe that that's the case. Yeah. Right. They didn't I mean, present it, it that way is my yeah, problem it, with it. You have to do a leap for yourself. Yeah. To to come to that conclusion, which not everybody's going to do. <laughs> it switches to Giles figuring out why the cat is awake. And this is when all the zombies start waking up. And my note here says, uh-oh, good thing we have a guest this episode, because Jess would not want to talk about all this. <laughs> yeah, I hate zombies. Not a fan. Uh, but then he calls their house to try and warn them, and I just wrote, who answers the phone at someone else's house? I know. <laughs> but I did write down, Party Villa, can I rock you? Because <laughs> what a way to answer the phone. <laughs> I really wish that I could answer the phone like that, but I don't have the <laughs> confidence. I did really like how he was way more invested in the guy with the party foul taking a shot <laughs> than anything going on. The yeah, phone. he was like, that guy has to take a shot. Right? Like, that also reminded me of you, Stash. That's 100% fair. <laughs> that guy's got to take a shot. Covers the phone. Hey, make sure that guy takes a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and then Willow catches Buffy packing and she freaks out. On Buffy, and I don't feel like that's fair at all. <laughs> oh, I disagree. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like it was Willow finally kind of getting out what she needed to get out. And I feel like it was fair. I feel like it was also fair that Buffy felt like she needed to go again. I, I feel like there was not really like an irrational thing in that scene, you know, until Joyce comes in, but, right. <laughs> but I didn't feel like either of the girls were irrational. I really felt like Buffy had her validation for her. Like I validate Buffy's feelings for feeling like she is alone and she needs to just be by herself. But then also Willow had her feelings because it was her best friend and her best friend just abandoned her for an entire summer, didn't let her know where she was going or what or anything. And now she's going to leave again. Yeah. And Willow spent like this whole episode, like not sure how to handle those feelings. So avoiding Buffy, but Buffy leaving is like the exact opposite of what she needs. Like she still needs to talk this out with Buffy and there's no way she could have thought, oh, if we don't take care of this right away. Buffy's gonna leave again. Yeah. So, like, I totally get why Willow freaked out when she saw Buffy packing and getting ready to leave. I just, I think I what upset me is, like, it literally was less than 10 minutes after Buffy gave her an opportunity to get all of this out. So it frustrated me that it took Buffy, thre- like, essentially inadvertently threatening to leave again to get willow to finally get that out and i think the reason it frustrated me so much for willow to do that is because that is 100 something i see in myself and it's something that i don't like so i'm not saying that like willow's a horrible person or anything for it but it just frustrated me and with that being said I definitely teared up and felt for both of those girls in this scene i teared up in this scene so, too like Mm-hmm. Just because I'm I'm mad at Willow doesn't mean I don't feel for her. Also, to make myself feel better, I wrote witches and werewolves and vampires. Oh my! <laughs> because Willow talked about how she was like 
practicing witchcraft and dating a werewolf and slaying vampires and she had so much going on and i was just like i get it well and that was that was the thing that kind of made me feel for willow a lot in this scene is like she was like i have a lot going on and buffy was like i know i know it's you know like i left you or whatever and she's like no i have a lot going on aside from you it's not just about you buffy (laughs) exactly yeah so like that's what made me kind of feel for her and I was, I mean, I was getting frustrated with Buffy because I was like, you need to tell them about what happened with Angel and how he became Angel again before you had to kill him because they don't know that at this point. But mm-hmm. I also was kind of like, Willow, you're making it about you. And like, while you had your own stuff going on, you don't know what Buffy's going through. So it's like, I think it's unfair from both of them to not have a little bit of like, empathy for the other person i'm kind of on the other end of that with your point because i think that buffy has spent this whole episode making it about herself and while i do feel for her willow needed to be assertive and let buffy know hey it's not just you yeah it's not just because you left it's because i wanted to spend time with you like because i have other shit going on and you didn't get to be a part of it that's true Mm -hmm. so like i think it i think it was really important for willow to make it about herself there Because otherwise, Buffy would have just wallowed in self-pity about it. And I feel like teenagers in general are really self, like, psychologically, they're very, very self-centered. So, like, it makes sense that both of them are coming from it with that lens. But at the same time, they both needed to get out what they needed to get. And so this was a good scene for that, I feel like. But I get why it was frustrating because, yes, Buffy did give her that opportunity and she was just like yeah no we're good which was not the move it is it i do think both girls came out stronger from this conversation even though i was getting angry and i think i was just like kind of coming to buffy's defense a little bit in my brain just because of how low she was in the end of becoming and how like willow and xander and oz and all of them even though willow was in a wheelchair they're all smiling and happy in the sunshine like buffy will show up eventually everything is great and buffy was in such a horrible space at that point that like in my mind i was like no (laughs) buffy's going through something we need to have empathy but that doesn't erase the fact that like willow does have a point and that like she spent this whole summer like learning witchcraft and figuring out how to slay vampires without buffy who was in like who in theory would be a great person to show you how to slay vampires and also is the whole reason she's doing those things to begin with right and like Mm -hmm. you know she's not only dating for the first time in her life but she's dating a werewolf and we haven't even really gotten to see oz be a werewolf at this point because buffy's been away the whole time so it's just it's it's interesting but i definitely also was like okay but Buffy's been expelled, was wanted for murder, and had to kill the love of her life. So she's also going through a lot of stuff. So I just, I don't know. But yeah, I do think it's very she, clear that like they're both 17 and thinking about themselves. And yeah. it's important that each one of them point out the mm-hmm. other. So, um, But also, Buffy's going through a lot of stuff because life is terrible. But she made the choice to leave and have everyone worry about her. So everyone else is mad at her for her decisions as opposed to just things that happened to them. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing is, is that 
she felt like she made the choice that she had to make. Right. But right. that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt other people and it has hurt other people. And that's the thing that she doesn't want to hear and doesn't want to talk about with other people. You know, like Angel being like, you have to talk to them because this is you, you just have to right in her dream. She she doesn't want to hear it because she thinks that she did the right thing, which is also very teenager of her. But it's like, no, you your choices did have effects on people. You do need to let them have the space to be able to talk to you about it. Well, I also think something that's very important for this episode in particular and that like really affects how I view it in a lot of ways, I think, is because I think Buffy is coming at it with a lack of knowledge that we have because we know that Willow would understand what she's going through and that like the fact that she had killed had to kill Angel would be terrible and painful. But from Buffy's perspective, when Buffy went to go face Angel, Willow said, kick his ass. And like, so she, as far as she knows, Xander and Willow and all of them have zero empathy for the fact that Buffy had to kill Angel because they were cheering her on because Xander did that huge lie at the end of season two. And I think that that huge lie changed Buffy's perspective of her friends in a lot of ways. I think that's probably pretty, pretty accurate. I think that's probably pretty true. However, I'm, I'm just more of the kind of person that is like, Let's get everything out in the open. Yeah. I'm more of an overcommunicative person. So the lens that I come from things and the way I view things is very like, okay, Buffy is isolated because she's the slayer and because she had to go through what she went through. But she also is doing things to purposely isolate herself as well. Yeah. So like, it's twofold. It's not just that, you know, she would have this perspective, which she, and it's natural for her to have this perspective that her friends would not understand and not be empathetic, but she also is making choices to isolate herself more. So I feel like that those, both of those things exist. And I do think yeah. you're right. I think mm-hmm. that the whole point of this episode in a lot of ways is to be open about what's going on with you. And, and to communicate, and we'll get more into that in the analysis portion, but like, I think that that's what they're going for with this whole scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I do think it's important to note that, that both of them were both wrong and right in ways. There was one thing I wanted to circle back to. Sure. Way back when we started this talk. <laughs> you, one of your criticisms of Willow here was that she just had a chance to open up to Buffy and chose not to. Yeah. I think that she had had time to think about it and decided it was time. And that's why she was going up to Buffy's room to look for her. Yeah, she did kind of have that feel. So I I think just for what it's worth, like even if it was shitty of her in the moment to not do it, I think it's very easy to fill in the five minute gap where she's at the party and like, no, I need to talk to Buffy. This wasn't fair of me and to be counteracting that decision. And she just happens to walk mm-hmm. in on Buffy packing up, which is kind of what sets her over the edge. But I think the end of the episode kind of discounts that, though. Why? Because I feel like at the end of the episode, it's clear that Willow doesn't really feel like she did anything wrong. No, but that doesn't mean 
that doesn't mean she can't have in that moment just decided that she needed to do something different right now. I think once the whole thing is resolved, she's not going to look at the five minutes she chose to ignore Buffy as like a huge mistake either way Maybe. because she had changed her mind. Yeah. And it led to the end result that it needed to. Yeah. Maybe. So I, I guess I don't think she made a, dis- a, a mistake. Interesting. Okay. Katie, any other thoughts on that scene? Well, Joyce coming in all hot was a little much. <laughs> Her being like, basically like, are you effing kidding me? Thing was just like, and she was like, I've had schnapps too. And I'm like, okay, mother of the year award. <laughs> Before Joyce walks in though, is when they switch to Giles <laughs> driving down the street. And he's like, look at my mask. Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. Americans. <laughs> I did really like that. <laughs> but then he like gets stopped by a zombie and he goes outside to check on the zombie that he hit with his car, which was the right thing to do because he didn't know it was a zombie at the time. And then he's like attacked by a ton of zombies, like it's just encroaching on him. And like I didn't like that scene at all because Because you hate zombies. I hate zombies. But I just that happens, and then it switches to Joyce walking in on Buffy and Willow arguing, and that's when they have the explosive fight, and they run downstairs, and Xander jumps in and starts attacking Buffy, which Xander has zero right. I agree. <laughs> to do, in my opinion. Hold on, hold on. Why does Xander have zero right to do that? Because I just... I mean, I guess he doesn't have zero right. Xander has a little bit of a right because Buffy ran away and that wasn't right. And I don't want to like sit there and act like, even though I think that she was going through a lot, that that means that it didn't hurt people that she did it. But Xander like lied to her before she ran away. And I'm, I'm furious about it (laughs) still. So like Xander, Sure, sure. Like, I just wanted to be like, shut up Xander. Because I was like, you're part of the problem. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like for me personally, I was like, okay, Buffy kind of needed to be just called on things. Not everybody needed to be attacking her at once. And so I agree that like Xander didn't need to jump in and just compound the issue. Yeah, that, that was my problem with Xander. I'm not saying what I'm saying is like he doesn't have no right to be upset, but compounding the issue while her mother is yelling at her, embarrassing her in front of people. Willow had just confronted her too. Like I feel like that was like there's a time and a place. Plenty, yeah. Like it was. I I agree that Xander didn't need to compound and make an already bad situation worse. Yeah, but. Buffy did make choices that did hurt people. So yeah. she probably needed to be confronted by that from everybody who she hurt. But, you know, also Xander Xander did what he did. So I totally validate that as well. I think Xander was a little bit more over the top and aggressive than he needed to be. And he decided to jump in and attack when everyone was already attacking her, which was just an incredibly... It was, he was kicking her while she was down. Yeah. Like, right. it, 
almost literally. <laughs> yeah, there was just no reason for him to do it there. Like, I get he has his feelings. Yeah. And he's always been over the top and aggressive about his feelings. Yeah. But he just, he really needed to back off there and let Joyce and Willow, who are both closer to Buffy than he is, get their part in before right. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. And then it does like a mini flashback to Giles. And he finally gets away from the zombies and gets in his car and he left his keys on the road. So he hot wires the car. And I just wrote, hello, Ripper. (laughs) Because it was 1000% from his Ripper days. Oh, it had to be. I was like, I literally, I was like, oh, yeah, that's Ripper stuff. (laughs) Especially with his comment at the end, like riding a bike. Yeah, a bloody bicycle. Well, yeah. Mm hmm. And then it switches back, and that's when Cordelia jumps in and tries to help Buffy and does a terrible job at it. Yeah, but I respect it. <laughs> I feel like she didn't really do that bad of a job in her own way, right? We know how Cordelia is. I think she genuinely was trying to help. Not like yeah, she was like too. saying all these things to like to be passive aggressive, like freaking Pat or whatever. <laughs> like she was just trying to be like. Oh, I can see this. That's when I got mad at Buffy because I was like, dude, she is your one ally. Don't jump down her throat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to help. No, and if I was in Buffy's shoes there, I probably would have been like, oh, thanks, Cordelia. Like, right. Like, that's just how she is. (laughs) Yeah. And then Oz tries to step in and play referee. And then some zombies break through the window. (laughs) Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, what was he going to say or do? I don't really know. Being referee, I'm like he just. How are you going to try and calm people down? Yeah, Willow said something along the lines of their words not working, so it's time to try violence. Yeah, and then a zombie comes yeah, through, and she was like, "I was being sarcastic." And then, so a zombie just runs in, charges up to that dude that answered the phone, yeah, and snaps his neck, yeah. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know why, but I also laughed very hard at that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I. Like, I had to pause the show and, like, hold my side from laughing at that. I don't know if it's just the way it broke the tension was so ridiculous and over the top, but I was dying. All right. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, so then there's, like, just this this crazy fight scene. Pat gets murdered. And dragged upstairs? She does get dragged upstairs. I was not sure how she got up there. Buffy, Willow, Xander, and Joyce run upstairs. Oz and Cordelia get put or run into a closet downstairs in the kitchen. And then wackiness ensues. Wackiness ensues. <laughs> then Cordelia and Oz leave the closet and they run into Giles, who explains what is happening. <laughs> Finally. Yes. He gives us some exposition. And then Dead Pat puts on a mask and becomes the demon. But not before Cordelia says, uh, after Giles says that he becomes the demon incarnate, she goes, that's way worse than zombies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Giles, once again, not thrilled by Cordelia's presence. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why are you here? But when Pat puts on a mask, one of the zombies starts like bowing and freaking out to her. And Xander looks at Joyce and says, Generally speaking, when scary things get scared, not good. Did that zombie bow? I felt like it was just cowering. Oh, maybe it was cowering. I wasn't 100% sure if it was like, 
bowing or cowering. Yeah, well, he, or... it kind of like threw its arm up to like shield its eyes and it backed away into the corner, which makes sense knowing that it, its power is through the eyes. Yeah. Like, I think it was just afraid of the demon. That makes sense. And then Buffy and Demon Pat go through the window and Giles tells Odds to tell her to go for the eyes. Go for the eyes. But Buffy didn't need Giles to tell her what to do. And she hits him with a shovel. Her. Her. With a shovel right between the eyes. Not hits. Stabs. Yeah. And then she said, made you look. And then all of the zombies and dead things just disappear like that. And suddenly everyone's cool with each other. Sometimes you just gotta work Fight it your, out. Yeah. And then uh, I wrote, Ripper threatened Snyder. Because that wasn't Giles that went into that office. Or into that principal's office. Mm-mm. I didn't write Ripper. I put Giles, but I put, oh, Giles gave me the tingly feeling Snyder was feeling earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I really have... understand how they move on from that. Like, how is Snyder not terrified of Giles after that? <laughs> Maybe he is. Because I do have a, I have my last quote for this episode is, would you like me to convince you? <laughs> and then Willow and Buffy bond. It's very cute. Calling each other names. Mm-hmm. But that's also where I got irritated because it was clear that Willow got to finally fill in Buffy on everything she was going through. And that made it seem like everything was okay. But they still don't know about Angel. Yeah, I guess that's fair. (laughs) So I feel like Buffy is not done. Well, like, I feel like Buffy needs, like, I don't want to say Buffy needs therapy because this is a TV show. But But she does. I feel like Buffy needs therapy because... Of what she has to go through on a daily basis. <laughs> and if she had therapy, she could open up and be like, hey, you're my best friend in the whole world. I'm going to let you know that I had to kill my boyfriend who I loved very much. <laughs> and then that's the end of the episode. I liked it. I did not. Would you have liked it if it didn't have <laughs> zombies? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it really did. And I actually was talking to Dean about it because he doesn't like this episode either. I don't like the fact that like, They built up all of this emotional turmoil. They got to have like half of a really intense blow up conversation in public, which I didn't like. And it didn't really get like they didn't really have a resolving end of that conversation. It got interrupted by violence and everyone was just cool afterwards. And it was almost like they were like, oh, yeah, this is why we like Buffy, because when she's around and bad stuff happens, most of us survive. So we're going to just be cool now. And I just, I didn't care for that. I didn't care for, so I like this episode, but I think that I like the episode because it addresses serious issues that people experience on a daily basis. There are some people that literally cannot open up to people that they care about. And I think that seeing that in a main character for a TV show is refreshing. Yeah, that's true. I don't like zombies either. I don't know why you don't like zombies, but I don't like zombies because they're dumb and they're inconsistent. Yeah. I just, they just give me the creeps. I don't know. Well, like these zombies can run. They were like charging at people. And I'm like, okay, I just don't get, I don't, I just don't get zombies. They're maddeningly inconsistent throughout all of everything. So I'm like, because they're always caused by something different and everyone just has their own ideas of what they should be. And they've evolved a lot over time. Yeah. But like these ones specifically like aren't from a virus like it often is. These ones are mystical and like they're Mm -hmm. not out there to eat people. They're just 
looking for driven the mask. by evil to kill and yeah. looking for a mask and every time someone dies they just join that horde instead of needing to being Infected. bit or something yeah 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 no that's fair i mean i liked this episode because it pissed me off a lot i think that that's <laughs> like like i had so many opinions on so many things in this episode so it was memorable well that's good at least I skip this episode almost every time, which I know won't surprise you because it has zombies, but I just, so a lot of it was like cool because I came at it from like a different perspective and like, I don't, I don't know how the next episode even starts. So I don't know how like it transitions because it's been a while since I've like watched season three now because I haven't been watching Buffy at all outside of this podcast for the past year and three months so things are starting to get a little bit i'm like did this happen in this episode or this episode so like i don't fully remember the next episode so i'm curious how things go yeah like there was there was a specific character that i didn't even realize hadn't even shown up yet so i i get that like i'm starting to like get it kind of hazy yeah i'm like oh i didn't even realize that that character hadn't even been introduced yet Oh, and I forgot to mention it when Buffy's being attacked in public by her mom and Xander and everybody. There's a Jonathan sighting. Is there? Oh, there is. Because he's the one over there by the dip. (laughs) I love that. I thought he looked familiar. Yeah. I really liked that during that scene. People were just sneaking out yeah, through the just front like, door. This isn't I, fun I anymore. Was like I would be doing that same thing. <laughs> yeah, like okay. Like, oh, I don't need not. to be here for this. <laughs> pop quiz time. Pop quiz time. There's only three questions this time. It's a short pop quiz. Okay. The first one is how is Buffy not grounded? Uh, Joyce is too afraid to ground her because she already ran away from home once. What's grounding gonna do? Just. It's just going to increase the void between them. She's working on mending relationships, not punishing. Also, she kicked her out. It's her fault. Why would Buffy be grounded? <laughs> well, she, she seemed like she didn't think that that meant it was her fault when Buffy pointed it out. She knew on the inside it was her fault. She just yeah. couldn't vocalize it. Yeah. No, I think that she was like so many other parents, particularly that generation of parents, I want to say. They were just so like, throw your hands up in the air like, oh, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Question number two. Do you have company plates? And did you have company plates when you were growing up? No and no, I don't think. No, definitely not. (laughs) So growing up, we had a bunch of... My mom had a China hutch, but she literally never used anything that was in it, even for company. So you, um, you didn't have anybody co- who was qualified for company plates? You had display no, plates. No, nobody was. Yeah, display plates is a much better word for it. You know that, like, in Ferris Bueller, when they talk about Cameron's house being, like, a museum where, like, you can't touch anything? That was kind of like my house growing <laughs> My mom had a ton of, like, pretty things that nobody could touch or use at all. (laughs) That makes sense. I don't think I've ever had that like in my house, but I've definitely been over to friends' houses where there was like a lot of stuff like, just don't touch anything. I, we had nice plates, 
My sister and I insisted on getting them out one Christmas, and my mom was like, we do not need to use these fancy plates, but whatever. We never use them anyway. But, like, we didn't have, like, special company plates, I don't think. But I wouldn't mind getting some now as an adult, because I like fancy things. I I almost never even use my regular plates, so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have company plates um, as an adult uh, in my own house. I usually get themed plates like if i'm if i'm hosting a party or something like i hosted easter i get themed plates for like the occasion like they're like paper plates oh no they're like plastic plates they're like heavier duty plastic plates okay i've Um, seen those i know what you're talking about yeah yeah and then and so i just reuse those until they're non-reusable anymore so like my company plates are shittier than my regular That's funny. Uh, I did, for a long time, I only had like Halloween plates. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that about you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you would like have paper plates in your cabinet. Uh, I bet I do have paper plates in my cabinet. <laughs> like you don't use regular plates, you just use paper. <laughs> just because you're like a chill dude, you know? Well, and bachelor pads tend to have like chiller atmospheres, you know? That's true place does have a pretty chill atmosphere it does <laughs> all right last question what is the most 90s thing you noticed i'm so mad i i remember thinking of one but i didn't write it down so i'm gonna need a minute to think about it do you okay. know what yours was oh i remember what it was it's we always bring up technology but it was such an easy willow called uh joyce and she <laughs> del- said hey willow called and buffy's reply was where was she Oh yeah, because you can't just uh, like you can't just call her back. You have to know where she called from to. Right. What are your guys's? Katie, did you have one? Yeah, as always, mine is fashion r- related, and um, it was Buffy's hairdo. I don't know what was going on this episode, but she had this weird updo that was a very nineties, and then she had a butterfly clip. She had two different kinds of butterfly clips. <laughs> <laughs> butterfly clips were so cool. They were so cool, and it was one in this <laughs> giant updo that she had. It was like a beehive updo. That's very funny. 90s. So I have two, actually. There are two different pop culture references that felt very 90s. The first one is when he said he called Giles Mr. Belvedere. Oh, yeah. Which is from an American sitcom that was from... 1985 to looks like 1991 or I'm sorry 1985 to 1990 so that felt very dated and then also Xander when he punched a vampire or a zombie not a vampire oh my gosh it's when Joyce asked if they were vampires but in the kitchen Xander punched a zombie and said man this sucker wobbles but he won't fall down and there is a old toy that was called a weeb. I think it was called a weeble. And weebles wobble, but they won't fall down. Is the like is their jingle? And so both of those, I was like, people watching this today are not going to know what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even catch either of those references. <laughs> yeah. So. So they're just some dated pop culture references that I thought were kind of cool. I like those answers. They're better than mine. They're like little time time capsules. 
Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because my mom recently talked to me about Weebles and like showed me the music, like the commercial for Weebles who wobbled it but don't fall down. So I never caught that reference. And then watching it this time, I was like, hey, <laughs> I know what that is. That's amazing. <laughs> so it's fun. And yeah, that's the whole pop quiz. We did so, it. Yeah, we did. So we'll go ahead and go into character development. And there are quite a few returning characters. At least one or two. <laughs> so our returning characters are Buffy, Joyce, Xander, Willow, Cordelia, Oz, Giles, Snyder, Angel, and Jonathan. And our new character is Pat. So I will go ahead and let Katie do the honors of talking about the first character she wants to talk about. Okay. I think that the obvious choice for this one is Buffy. I think that she had a lot of character development in this episode. I think it was a little less than the last episode, but there was internal stuff going on with her the entire episode. So I feel like that needs to be said. I think it was like a really good continuation of the last episode. Like last episode, she realized that she couldn't hide from who she is and she had to go home and face everything. And then this episode, she had to really realize that she had a lot of fear when it came to repairing the relationship she'd left behind when doing that. Yeah. And I feel like she, in parts of this episode, didn't want to deal with it wanted to run away wanted to hide from things again but she did not she faced them she needed to face them and i agree that the end confrontation was pretty unsatisfying like it wasn't as big like it it was pretty anticlimactic and so i agree with that but i think buffy's on this journey and it's gonna take a while for her to get to the point where she can actually not isolate and not be this person that she feels like she needs to be. Stosh, do you have any thoughts on Buffy? I don't think I have anything I didn't already say. We had a lot of character talk during that one scene. Yeah, with Buffy and Willow. Yeah, I definitely feel like I I over-talked my thoughts on both of them during that scene so honestly we were pretty open about how we felt about the characters through the summary Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure there's anything i feel like i need to say about anyone that i haven't already said well except for your favorite development for pat yeah pat died yeah yeah i mean we talked i talked about the fact that xander did not impress me we over talked about how much joyce was a disappointment this episode for all that like she had some better moments. I liked Joyce more in this episode than I did last episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did. She had a real roller coaster for me. Yeah. For sure. Like, there was a point in this episode where, like, I was like, honestly, I'm liking Joyce enough. And I feel like I've ragged on her enough in the past where I could consider giving her my Herbert this episode. Interesting. And I'm not going to do that, but. <laughs> but there was a point in the episode where I was thinking about it. Yeah. And that's probably the most positive thing i've ever said about joyce so well and it's interesting because a lot of the times with joyce we talked about how like like absent she was and how uninvolved she was and stuff and and now she knows buffy's secrets so she's 
has the opportunity to be more involved. Yeah. And we see her in this episode, especially taking that opportunity. Um, I think those are a lot of the things I really appreciated about her because they're like, like I said, I, the things I liked this episode about Joyce was her really showing an effort to repair her relationship with her daughter. Mm -hmm. She was never trying to be like an imposing authority or like command what Buffy was going to do. She was just trying to be legitimately helpful to her, steer her in the right path, uh, try to feel a real emotional connection with her again. And like, and like she was a lot she, like she still clearly doesn't love that her daughter's the slayer, but she's accepted it and that that's what's going to be happening. And you can tell through some of her dialogue in this, like uh, none of us brought it up, but the is this a normal day at the office? Yeah. Line like that was like that was actually a huge moment for me. And I don't know why I didn't write it down. Yeah. Like that meant a lot coming from Joyce to me. So I, I actually I'll mm -hmm. be real. I ended up watching this episode twice. Once when I was like not taking notes, just enjoying it because I hadn't like sat and enjoyed a Buffy episode in a while. And then I rewatched it to take notes today. And I missed that scene the first time I rewatched it this time. And like I picked up on it this watch through. And I don't know why I didn't write notes on it either, but I was like, good for Joyce. Like she definitely like she started the episode with like Will you be slaying, like trying to take an interest? And she ended the episode like recognizing the fact that like she didn't she's she's still learning Buffy's world. Mm -hmm. And it was really nice. And she's not demonizing it. I feel like the app, the opposite of absenteeism is advocacy. And I feel like Joyce definitely advocated for her daughter in a lot of in, a, in quite a few parts of this yeah. episode. Like, yeah. including the end part with Snyder, where she was like, I believe my daughter means to say na 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 na. <laughs> um, is there someone you would like to talk about? I talked Willow to death. No, I think that we covered everybody. Like, we are, we talked, we brushed on it a little bit, but again, Giles was just a huge advocate for Buffy this episode. We got to see a little bit mm. more Ripper in him and like the way he was just so relieved when she was at his house and the way that he like, immediately rushed over there and got that dead cat out of her house and the way he was like Buffy's coming back to school and I will hurt you <laughs> yeah <laughs> like he really solidified everything and I, I'm gonna just say it right now he's my Herbert for this episode that's fair I will say his uh Katie brought it up earlier but Anthony Stewart Head's acting this episode mm -hmm. through the whole thing was phenomenal mm -hmm. phenomenal yes yeah uh, I would definitely agree do either of you have another character you'd want to touch on, or do you want to give your Herbert? I'm good. I think I'm ready for the Xander. Well, who's your Herbert? Well, we talked last episode about starting with Xanders. Oh, you're right. We did. <laughs> I forgot. Apologies. Yeah, you should be so sorry. My Xander's a little controversial, I think. Let's hear it. I'm trying to decide who could be controversial for me. Go ahead. I never thought I would say this, but Willa was my Xander for this episode. Mm, fair enough. And I talked, I talked a lot about it. She just mm -hmm. really disappointed me. Like, honestly, Xander could have been my Xander too, but I expect it from Xander. And Willow, I don't expect that kind of, like, Willow's supposed to be the smart one. And, like, that's really important to me too, is that, like, she is still the smart one, but she's still learning, like, just like all of the other kids when it comes to, like, social, whatever, and, like, emotional baggage and stuff like that. So. It was kind of nice to see Willow making mistakes, 
but it still hurt me inside that she made them. Katie, who's your Xander? Oh, I, I think it's I think it's either Xander who like just genuinely just ma- made bad situations worse <laughs> for no <laughs> reason. Did. That's true. And showed no growth, by the way. Like mm-hmm. no character development for him. I can agree with that. Um or Pat. Because fuck that woman. <laughs> like, like who just shows up in somebody's life when they're having like a traumatic situation and is just like, oh, I'm going to shit all over your daughter for no reason and be like super protective of you, even though I like showed up two seconds ago. Like, I genuinely thought she was going to be the villain in this. And I actually think she is the villain in this. I was going to say, that's funny that you mentioned her because she didn't even seem like an option to me. And I realize now it's because in my mind she was the villain of this episode. I mean, I think it's pretty, there's a pretty strong case for it. She's only antagonistic towards the main cast. Yeah. uh, Only causes problems and becomes the demon at the end that has to be killed. Yeah. So I would argue that she is the villain. Yeah, she is the villain. Yeah. Yeah. So she's my Xander. Stosh, Word. who's your Xander? Mine was Xander. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. No one's a fan of Nighthawk in this podcast. This I mean, episode. I liked that he became Nighthawk. <laughs> I thought that was fun. But I think he was overly aggressive. I know he's always really emotional, but he was he was just unreasonable this episode. Like mm-hmm. whenever There's he a- was talked to about Buffy or anything, he was just like, no, she like she owes us. And then like shut it down there. Like there was no even thinking on his part. Yeah, there's a difference between being an emotional person and an irrational person. And he yeah. rides that line. I would argue he was definitely both this episode. I mean, I also mm-hmm. ride that line, but I don't do it to hurt people. <laughs> yeah, he's just reckless with his irrationality. Well, I said Giles is my Herbert. Who's your Herbert, Katie? Giles is for sure, hands down, my, my Herbert this episode. Um, nice. Actually, you know what? Is, can Anthony Stewart head be my, my, <laughs> my I Herbert? Because, like, is acting from the moments, from the Ripper moments, from the the scene that I already touched on about, like, the complexity of those emotions that he was feeling and also the comedy moments. Like, the, oh, like, making fun of Joyce and, like, all Look of that. Look at my mask. It just... Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it raises the dead. And he might as well have just been, like, ugh, middle-class white women with their stupid <laughs> collection of art. I just, I thought that his acting was phenomenal. That's totally fair. Stosh, who's yours? Uh, you're going to be mad. Mine's Willow. Well, that's fine. We're allowed to have different opinions. That's why I said mine was controversial. The scene you hated why her in, I Willow? loved her in. So Yeah, that's fair. I think me and you just have completely different viewpoints on that scene. And honestly, so- and honestly, like I, I talked a lot of smack during that scene, but I like like I felt for her in that scene. So it was really the it was really the scene where she was like, oh, I can't hear you. And Buffy had to like pull her away have a conversation and she like just skated around and was like no we're good it's fine everything's fine why are you talking to me and the way she was like she was like getting mad at xander in the library but she was doing the same thing so it just it was the scene with her and buffy was really good yeah so 
Uh, I just, I think she did what she needed to do. Like I said, I did tear up during that scene. Yeah, it's very it was, emotional. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really good. So I just, she just won the episode for me in that scene specifically. I think she did great. I think that both of those actresses did really well in that scene. That's yeah. true. I mean, really, everyone's acting was pretty good in this episode. Yeah. It really was. It really Even was. Nicholas Brendan, like, for all that we don't like Xander, like, he did a good job oh, yeah. being Xander. <laughs> yeah, he plays the character mm-hmm. great. So on to... Analysis. analysis yeah so i have two things written down and katie you talked about that i didn't write this down but like the fact that you need to like open up and be com- like communicate and stuff like that was definitely very prevalent throughout the episode that i also wrote down actions have consequences and they're not just for you every mm-hmm. choice you make affects other people and then repairing broken relationships isn't easy i think that that was very clear throughout the whole episode is Everyone was not sure how to talk to Buffy and Buffy was not sure how to talk to anyone. Yeah. And it was hard and difficult, but like it was very clear when she was pulling out her suitcase and getting ready to pack and leave. Like that wasn't the answer either. But it was a tempting answer. Yeah. Like we I think all of us said I would run away there, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all also said that's the wrong thing to do and she shouldn't have. Um, I think the biggest one for me was definitely open communication is important. I think that was the whole metaphor with the zombies. Yeah. Was, you know, they couldn't stay buried. And so, like, just like emotions, you can't bottle them in. You need to voice your how you're feeling to people and communicate with people. Um, and I think a big thing for me is you both said, like, you felt, and you said for Dean, too, like, the end was, like, anticlimactic because they were all kind of yelling at each other. And then a fight happens and they're all just okay. But I was actually fine with that because I think the message they're trying to get is just that you need to communicate how you're feeling. And like the fact is like Buffy's back. There's no there's nothing she needs to do to make up now other than just be present. And that's really the solution is just they need to be friends again and and heal the wounds. But the thing that was stopping them was from saying what they were feeling and why they were feeling it. And so during the climax before the zombies attacked. That's what they all did. They all stated their feelings, and that's really the only resolution it needed. And it's like a little messy with zombies attacking in the middle. Right. But maybe like a little more cut and dry in TV. Like, I'm sure there would still be a little harbored emotions there. But sometimes just getting something off your chest and saying it out loud, especially to the person you want to say it to, is really what you need. Right. And that's a good point, too, because like when you talked about how like the monsters, the zombies not needing to be buried and stuff like the the masked demon's power came from looking in someone's eyes. And that is something that's very important with communication and active listening is you're supposed to look a person in the eyes. Yeah. As a way of like showing that you're actively listening. So that's that's a great point that I hadn't even yeah. considered. But yeah. So cool. I I have so. one thing to say with a with the analysis sure. situation. Um just Yes, it's over communication and stuff like that. But like, okay, so I grew up in a house where we were all very over communicative um, to a fault. It like was not good. So the thing is, is that I think with this episode, it was like, you can't bury your stuff, but also you need to figure out how to present an issue in a confrontation and how to address it with the person that you, because like exploding at a party not not the way not a good option figure out your time and place 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you should just, you should have discern discernment. Like, okay, is it necessary for me to confront this person about how I feel or should I just try to let it go? And like, if I can't let it go, then how do I address it with this person? Do I try to find them in their room when I just saw them leave the party? Or do I scream at them in front of everybody? <laughs> uh, Jess, would you like to get into the Thurs debate? Uh, well, before that, do we have any final thoughts? Oh, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> Katie, do you have any final thoughts? Can you come back to me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jess, do you have any? I don't. I think we covered everything I wanted to talk about in this episode. We all talked about like whether or not we liked the episode and why, you know, which I think tends mm -hmm. to yeah. be something we forget. In other parts, we we the the summary we talked a lot about like characters and everything. So I feel like we got everything that I wanted to talk about out mm -hmm. during the summary. So when Buffy dreams about Angel, her alarm goes off. Mm -hmm. Holy fuck! Is that alarm clock annoying? <laughs> I don't know if you caught all the noises coming out of it, but it was. Oh, I did have this thought during that scene. It was seven o'clock and her alarm went off and I was like, why is she getting up at seven o'clock? She doesn't have school. That's a great point. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Like, what is she doing all day? What is she doing? Pouting around the house. <laughs> Apparently. So. Also, when you said earlier, one of the reasons uh, Willow frustrated you was because you saw part of yourself in what she was doing mm -hmm. um i felt a very similar way which is like when i said i think you could really easily fill in the gap of like she took five minutes and decided now is the time and went up to her room yeah i definitely saw myself in that and like that's what see. you would have done yeah so just for what that's worth i meant to bring that up when we were having that talk to you but we had a lot to say we did have so much to say in that part um those are my only final mm -hmm. thoughts katie we'll go back to you now um, I, I guess just, yeah, for me, this episode, I think this is probably why I like this episode so much is it's pretty heavy handed about mental health, taking care of your mental health. It, it's pretty heavy handed on that. And so I think that, you know, it, it's extremely important, especially for young people, especially for adolescents and young adults to be taking care of their mental health. So go to therapy, everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Therapy is your friend take every opportunity i can to bring that up so all right now just like get into the thursday debate yeah so we did have a thursday debate for our episode on becoming the question was did buffy have to kill angel at the end of season two because we had some debate on whether or not that was the truth uh-huh uh and 60 percent said no but it's cool that she did and 40% said, yeah, that's 100% what Whistler meant. Interesting. And we got a write-in from Kyle, uh, from Kyle from Buffy Gaze. And he said, I agree that it's a little unclear, but the vibe was definitely, you got to kill him, girl. There's no way she would have killed an ensouled angel if she didn't have to. And I was like, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so... <laughs> I disagree, but I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree hard enough to where I, I have a valid point to argue against it, I should say. Well, that's fine. But I, I think I would agree yeah. with that. Did we get any listener messages? We did. We actually got a second message from Kyle 
who said, <laughs> oh, by the way, I was so giddy to see Anne this morning because I thought y'all might take a break. And then he asked what Stosh was worried about, and he guessed, and he was correct in his guess. What I was worried about? What I'm worried you will hate in season three. No, that is not what you said. Uh, <laughs> oh, he said, what are you worried Stosh will hate? There you go. I read it weird. Apologies. So he asked what I was worried Stosh will hate and guessed correctly on what it is. So we'll see if uh, you hate that. When mm -hmm. it happens. And then we also got another message from Jennifer. Jennifer, I'm going to have to um, paraphrase some of the things that she said because she does include a spoiler. But she said, huge smiles on my walk with my puppies listening to you and Stosh. Thanks for the shout out. Yes, I still live in Australia. Hell yeah. Love your comments about community, Jess. My nearest and dearest aren't as into Buffy as I am. So I love listening to podcasts. Other podcasts I currently listen to and can highly recommend include the Prophecy Girls podcast, Becoming Buffy, Beer with Buffy, and Buffy the Vampire Straya. All of the hosts have their own experiences and perceptions that are great to listen to. Just about to listen to Go Fish, Ugh, one of my least favorite episodes, but I do enjoy Jonathan's scenes in Go Fish. Almost caught up and will be able to comment in real time. That's awesome. I'm glad you're still writing in. Yeah. Definitely nice. please continue to do so. Oh, we got another message from Donna. She said, y'all were talking about tats or representing Joss Whedon. I got this tat 10 years ago and have this sticker on my car. I just rep Buffy and all she represents. I separate Buffy from Joss. Have a great day, y'all. And then she sent us a cool picture of her tattoo. and. A cool picture of her car sticker. So that's super fun. Hell yeah, it is. I feel like you can definitely you can you can definitely parse out the problematic creator and the creation. The creation. Itself, sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's totally fair. Well, we talked about that in our episode zero because it was very important to me that we discuss it, even though like most specifically we talked about like what Charisma Carpenter went through. Um, during her time on Buffy and it was important to me that we still talk about the show because she was a part of the show so mm, it's yeah. important to validate all of the work she put in to this thing and what she went through in order to provide it to us so yeah absolutely perfect well if you would like to be like Kyle Jennifer or Donna you can get a hold of us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Jim Canceled Pod, or you could email us at Jim's Canceled Pod at gmail.com. Katie, do you have anything you would like to plug? If you're feeling isolated and lonely, talk to a mental health provider. Perfect. Yes. Great advice. Love it. Jess. You can find me on Instagram at tiaras.and.books if you want to talk about anything bookish. Otherwise, find me on the social Stosh mentioned. Stosh, what about you? Uh, I could be found on Twitter or Instagram at Nisnaur, N-I-S-S-N-A-U-R. Perfect. And the episode we are going over next is Season 3, Episode 3, Faith, Hope, and Trick. Stosh, do you have any predictions? Faith, Hope, and Trick? Mm-hmm. Is that like a precursor to the show Hope and Faith? 
where they have a third <laughs> sister named Trick? <laughs> probably not. I don't uh, know that show. Probably not. No. Like an old thousands. What are her riffs? I never watched it. I was just aware of it. I used to see ads for it all the time. It'd be funny That'd if it was like a Buffy spinoff that I didn't know about. That'd be wild. Yeah, it's called Hope and Faith, I'm pretty sure. It's, I think it's two sisters. I don't know what it's about. Well, it's almost certainly <laughs> not a Buffy spinoff, but... I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but that's my guess. Any other predictions? No, I hope we figure out what's going on with Snyder and the mayor soon. Okay. It's worth noting that if we follow the flow of last season, we'll get there pretty quick, but yeah. I don't know if they'll continue that that vibe. Cool. So no, nothing real from me. I'm a loser this week. <laughs> Just watching old thousand sitcoms. I don't think that you're a loser. But we will find out if your predictions are true next episode. And until then, stay sunny, Slayers. In that... Do you want to pick that up? Stosh dropped his notebook. Oh. <laughs> uh, I had completely different feelings about Willow.